It's the Mac and Main show winter break. And the phrase normally goes third time is the charm. And to that, I say the same because coming up is our third interview during the off season here at Quinnipiac. But the person I'm talking to today is still very much in season. She, like me, is a Quinnipiac student. For some reason, I couldn't find her in Handon for an entire semester. Well, that's because she was down south working as one of four seasonal athletic training interns for the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are one of the only teams in the NFL to offer this type of internship, meaning she was selected out of a very competitive field to ensure each player she works with has proper hydration, nutrition, physical health, rehab training, you name it, she's got it. To ensure they are 100% ready for game days. The fact that I'm seeing an interview with someone who is about the same age as me and is helping players like Cam Newton get onto the field to say, I'm back! Makes me a pretty lucky guy to say, welcome, Kate Duffy, to the Mac and Main Show. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, what an intro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, 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 we go hard and we go home here at the Mac and Main Show, and we, we like to welcome our guests uh, in a major way. So you come in as a third guest. Uh, Jack interviewed Mark Lurie, who is the Minnesota Timberwolves owner, and also we interviewed Zach Hample, who is a MLB baseball YouTuber. So be sure to go check those out as well on our Spotify or Apple iTunes or wherever you may listen to your podcast. But you're here for Kate, so let's get to Kate. So... <laughs> So obviously my co-host Jack Maine was supposed to be here tonight as well. But as I told you before, Kate, he sadly tested positive for the coronavirus. It's unfortunate that he, he does have to sit this one out, but I'm sure the situation is something that you've been dealing with a lot down here with the stretch uh, during the, your time with the Panthers. So I'll kind of jump into my first question about that. So what has the experience been like for you uh, working with an athletic team, trying to deal with COVID cases with all your players and trying to get them healthy and get back in the field? Yeah, so it's definitely been a challenge, but I think it, the challenge has taught me so much that I'm just so grateful to have had the experience and be able to take back with me to all my future clinical endeavors. Certainly has added a lot longer hours, a lot more hoops to jump through, but you know we're making it through. And I think overall, we're just so grateful to have made it this far in the season with so few numbers. Coming into the season, kind of knowing the climate of COVID and knowing that it's still very much existent, still something that could affect our play, affect the season itself. I think there was a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of worry, but you know, luckily we came in with really high vaccination numbers, which is why we're at week 17 and only really feeling it the past two weeks. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been a challenge, but it's been one that we knew coming into the season that we were going to face. So just kind of came in guns a blazing and really educated the guys on the importance of being vaccinated, educated them on all the kind of protocol of wearing their mask when they can, and just kind of keeping distant, keeping safe and really taking care of themselves. Yeah. And I, I read recently that I think the number of players that are on the COVID list now uh, is cut down to two, according to some reports. Uh, but you said at one point there were 20 athletes who tested positive for COVID. Uh, so what was it like dealing with that situation when there's a, a high amount of players on a, a 55 man roster being tested positive for COVID? Yeah. So I think there are two sides of it that kind of created the challenge. The one side is all the athletes testing positive and kind of taking care of them, making sure their health and well-being is at the top notch, because at the end of the day, even if they're COVID positive, they're still a professional athlete. They still have to be able to be expected if they test positive in the beginning of the week that they could very much be playing Sunday football, <laughs> um, which certainly was kind of a, a scary thing at first. But if you think about the caliber to which these athletes train and how conditioned their bodies are to handle the stresses. I think they're the best ones to kind of handle the stresses. We basically send them home, obviously, right away, whenever they test positive with a what we call a COVID bag, which kind of has everything they would need to take care of themselves for the time being. But from the flip side of it, 
any person that tested positive is one less body on the field. So if you think about the number of reps in a football practice, that's not necessarily changing that greatly. So it's not only taking care of the athletes that are off the field, but also taking care of the athletes on the field that are taking more reps that are kind of maybe feeling some symptoms too, maybe feeling the, I guess the the weight of being 16 weeks into a 20 week season with including training camp really and making sure they're feeling okay. But I guess the other side of it was putting more athletes on the field. So it was kind of like, okay, this person's down. Well, we're going to sign a new person and getting that person up to speed, getting that person um, or the new athlete coming in, doing EKGs, doing physicals, doing all that we needed to do to get them on the field. So that, um, everyone's staying healthy, everyone's staying in the best shape. I think the scariest part for me, especially was kind of seeing the athletes come back and seeing the repercussions that some of them were feeling, reporting, feeling deconditioned, reporting, having some um, shortness of breath and kind of seeing that even though the new variant isn't as deadly, it's still really affecting these guys and it's affecting professional athletes. So I think for me, it kind of gave me another reminder that everyone has to do their part and everyone really has to kind of um, come together and during this time to keep everyone safe, athletes included. Yeah. And you mentioned to me earlier before we got on as well, that you were up till 4am handling these situations and <laughs> handling things going on a day-to-day basis. So how many hours does it take to really like focus in on these athletes and make sure that they're, you know, ready to go, you know, off the COVID list, ready to go and, and get them back conditioned to be ready to play NFL football at a high level? Yeah, so it takes a lot of hours of the day. I think coming into this experience, I didn't expect the amount of hours that it does. But in all honesty, I think the biggest thing that has been so rewarding is seeing all of the hard work that we put in and seeing the result that we get of, you know, the appreciation of the athletes, the fact that we get to be one of 32 teams in the league. So yeah, so a typical day for me starts at 4am and usually ends around uh, 10pm. <laughs> um, usually I'm at the stadium from about 6am or 5.45 really until about 7pm at night. So last week kind of got pushed back a little bit. We were pushing into the 7.30, 8 o'clock zone <laughs> just because of all the extra things that we have to do. Extra cleaning, extra prepping, extra making sure there's masks socked everywhere, PPEs, anything to kind of take those extra measures to protect the athletes and to provide them with the resources to protect themselves. So when do the players get there? That's, that's the question I have for you. <laughs> so meetings start every morning at 8 or 8.30, depending on the position groups. Um, you have some guys that are there bright and early, 5.45, 6 a.m., and you have some guys rolling in at 7.15. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, they just have to be there to get breakfast and get to meetings. There's no one checking what time each of them get in. But I do think it's funny to see some of the more veteran players rolling up a little bit later because they know they can just slide right into meetings. <laughs> yeah. And you have to stroll in at four, the early late hours of four in the morning. Yep, yep. <laughs> what, what are you doing from that time frame before those meetings start? So usually uh, kind of the morning routine is making sure everything is ready for the day. So that includes checking the pool chemical levels, making sure the chlorine's good, cleaning everything. You know, that's a big one with COVID. <laughs> Doing any kind of prep work. So we have trunks that we travel with to all of our games, um, our, all of our away games. Um, so making sure the trunks are ready to go for the next away game, taking care of any like miscellaneous tasks that we have, making sure that all of the fridges are stocked for hydration, making sure all of our modalities are up and running. So that includes anything that is kind of like a feel good or 
anything that is an extra source to help an athlete recover faster. If you ever went to physical therapy, e-stim or ultrasound, those modalities, we have a number of, you know, the top, top, highest end of the newest of anything that can kind of help an athlete get back on the field faster. So making sure all of those are good, making sure that there's towels everywhere that we need towels or just basically kind of getting everything ready for the day. So it sounds like it's not a lot, but it can be a lot on some mornings. And then certainly the past couple of weeks have been also making sure athletes are getting to appointments that they need to coming back from COVID or coming back from injuries and just keeping them at their healthiest. I'm sure that high medical technology definitely helps uh, treat, you know, offensive players. For example, I know Christian McCaffrey is one of the Panthers superstars and he's been dealing with injuries over the past couple of seasons and had some a little bit of injury problems this year. Same with your quarterback, Sam Darnold, who was acquired for a trade for a couple of draft picks, and he's been struggling to stay out on the field as well. So what's it like trying to, you know, outside of COVID, deal with players that are dealing with injuries like throughout the season to try to get them back on the field quicker rather than later? Yeah, so I think it's been really eye-opening to see the difference when you're dealing with collegiate athletes and when you're dealing with professional athletes. So my experience up until this point in time was dealing with athletes at Quinnipiac, some high school athletes, and then also in my experience at Northwestern football two summers ago. So kind of seeing the difference in the treatment of those athletes and professional. I think the biggest thing is just getting them out of pain as fast as possible. I think it kind of creates a different philosophy of thinking of, you know, when you're dealing with the collegiate athletes, you're trying to get them more longevity. You're trying to really not so much worry about getting them back in the the fastest, fastest way possible, you know, obviously trying to get them back on the field faster. But I think at the professional level, the fact that these athletes are being paid, these athletes are an asset to the team, you kind of just see that a little bit more elevated. So what that means for us is being really, really diligent and being really, really meticulous in every single thing that we do. Every treatment, every rep, every everything has a purpose and making sure that we are performing to the highest level that we can to allow them to perform to the highest level that they can. But I think also there's comes a certain benefit of having all the money behind the NFL and having the ability to fly so-and-so out to an appointment in Green Bay when they need to see the best specialists out in Green Bay or flying them to Canada or wherever they need to go to get whatever treatment, see whatever doctor to get them the best care possible. Yeah, I I guess I want to touch a little bit specifically on on Christian because uh, obviously he's big star for the Panthers and he's been dealing with a lot of leg and ankle injuries, you know, trying to do his thing out there, running, juking out defenders out there in the field. So do you guys have kind of like, I guess, a, a special treatment that like you use for, for Christian considering, you know, you're used to working with him, you know, with being out at times, like pretty frequently or. Yeah. So for, for HIPAA reasons, I can't really tell you too much about that, but what I can tell you is um, certainly different athletes get treated differently based on their bodies. So for example, if one player doesn't respond well to a certain treatment, we learn that very quickly and kind of resort to another treatment. I think there can be a misconception that every high ankle sprain, like, um, you know, Christian's last year or John Miller's this year, like, I think sometimes people think that they can all be treated the same. There's one way to kind of get them back on the field. Unfortunately, that's not the case for a lot of people. Any injury that happens kind of has to be taken for what it is and 
taken for what the athlete's feeling, how the athlete's presenting, because it's certainly not a one size fits all situation. One of the things we look at is not only the injury that they have, but also past injuries that they've had. So for example, everyone knows about Christian's infamous high ankle sprain last year, hamstring this year and ankle this year also. But I think kind of looking at that, we know that his lower body injuries are more prevalent. So in his rehab, making sure that we're getting him not only back to his strength, but to back to even better strength or back to even better conditioning so that he can get back on the field faster, um, for sure. More of a fun question here, but how's it, how's it working with Cam? What's working with Cam Newton like? Oh my gosh, she is larger than life itself. I think (laughs) the kind of energy that he brings is just like beyond words. I remember the first day that he came and like walked into the training room and I'm doing treatment on an athlete. I'm, you know, in the zone trying to make sure everyone's good and just seeing him like, I was never really big Panthers fan growing up. I know that might be bad to say, but (laughs) I was more of a Giants fan, um, you know, being from New York and all. But seeing him, I was honestly a little bit starstruck. I was like, oh my gosh. But no, he's awesome. I have to say like the the best thing about this entire experience is that all the athletes have been so down to earth and so welcoming and so kind. So it never felt like, oh my gosh, like it's Cam Newton. I can't talk to him. Like, no, he came up to me the first day and introduced himself. And I think all of them are very similar in that sense that I've been able to develop a very good relationship with all of them, I would say for sure. (laughs) Well, Cam Newton was also a Patriot back in the day. So maybe you can become a Patriots fan now too. (laughs) Oh man, I tried to convert the Giants fan. Didn't really work out. If I were to be a Patriots fan though, it would be for Stefan Gilmore. He's honestly one of the, one of the kindest people I've ever met. So that's good. He's a great cornerback too. He helped the Patriots win a number of games when he was there. (laughs) So Kudos to him as well. But you mentioned all the players are really uh, welcoming and uh, open to you coming, considering, you know, how young you are entering the business, kind of shifting more to coaches now. What's it like, you know, what's your relationship like with Matt Rule and the rest of the coaching staff? And how does that help to make sure that the right information is shared when talking about a player's health and when they're ready to go? Yeah. So I think coming into it, I had the misconception of like, okay, the coaches are like untouchables. Like I would never talk to them. I've never really have a relationship with them. That's how it is at honestly some collegiate settings, but obviously not at Quinnipiac. Everyone at Quinnipiac is awesome. I can't speak highly enough of the coaching staff there, but my clinical preceptor, Katie Rogers, who's an assistant athletic trainer for the Panthers. She's honestly one of the most amazing people I've met just because she's so young um, and is a full-time athletic trainer for the Panthers. She kind of emphasized to us the importance of um, relationships in this staff and how much Coach Rule, who's our head coach, um, how heavily he, I guess, wants us to be a part of the experience. So the Panthers have the brand, which is the toughest, hardest working, most competitive team in the NFL. And that's what he really lives by. So my very first day, I was given the brand. I was given kind of his plan to win and all that to remember because that's something that he depends on. And he'll come up to any of the interns. He'll come up to anybody on the staff and be like, what's the brand? What's the plan to win? Just because he really buys into the idea that everyone is part of the experience. Very first day of training camp, I walk into the room of all the staff of, you know, everyone involved in the experience. And he gave one of the best speeches I've ever heard and kind of spoke to the fact that everyone's a coach. Everyone's a coach in their own way in this experience. So whether you're the Phil Snow defensive coordinator or you're Kate Duffy athletic training student intern, you know, we're coaching in different ways. I'm coaching the athletes to get them healthier and help 
educating them on their own kind of physical and mental and all that well-being to get them back on the field. I'm not really calling the routes that they're about to run on the field, but, you know, we each coach in our own way. So I was never made to feel like an intern. I was made to feel like a part of the staff and a part of all of that. Specifically, I'm with the tight ends right now and I've been with them the whole season. So the tight ends coach has been nothing but kind, nothing but, you know, uh, welcoming to me. I think it's funny because um, sometimes they'll like say things or they'll like use a bad word or something. And they'll be like, oh, 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 sorry, Kate. Like I didn't mean to say it in front of you. And obviously it doesn't face me, but you know, everyone's super respectful. And um, I think having that relationship has made disseminating information a lot easier. Um, there have been times where I was a little bit worried to go up to a coach and say, hey, so-and-so's down, or, you know, we use up or down, meaning like in or out, if they're able to play or not. So kind of having that anxiety around it, I was like, oh no, but, um, you know, they've been super awesome and they've been super welcoming. So that's been really great. You said everyone's a coach in the team. So how do you go about coaching uh, a player to get themselves healthy and get themselves ready? Are there like different lessons? Like do you open up a Zoom card? Like, like what do you do? <laughs> yeah, so I think a, a lot goes with kind of the status of them on the team. And we talk about the status a lot, meaning are they a rookie? Or are they a veteran? Are they one of the starters? Are they on the practice squad? And, you know, I don't mean to discredit anybody on the team. Everyone has a role, but just depends on, you know, where they are and how that role influences what they're able to do to get the team to win. You know, with our more rookie players, I kind of recognize the fact that they're a little bit on the younger side, maybe coming right out of college, maybe their college didn't really provide them with the foundation to take care of themselves the best. But how I talk to, you know, one of the rookies and how I talk to Shaq Thompson, who's a more veteran player, has been on the team for about seven years, won a Super Bowl, you know, Shaq obviously has a little bit better understanding of his body at this point in time. I mean, he's been playing football for how many years and made it this far. <laughs> I think the first thing is kind of realizing who you're talking to and realizing the foundation that they have and then kind of meeting them there. So obviously if a player is a little bit less educated on something, I'm not going to speak to them how I would speak to one of my classmates that knows as much as I do. So kind of putting it, making it make sense to them, putting it in a way that, um, will not overwhelm them with information, but will provide them with a way to kind of have a better understanding of what's going on in their body. What's the saying about if you teach someone to fish or, or you give them fish, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, not necessarily, but I, I guess I can build off of that. You know, when you talked about um, some of the younger players, like practice squad rookies that don't understand all the medical terms yet, how do you like dumb that down for them? Yeah. So um, I'll give you the best example. There's a, a modality that we use called Graston. And it looks like a, a butter knife ball. So there's a bunch of different sizes of them. And what it's doing is it's treating the fascia. Now you might say, what's fascia? How, what does that mean to me? And the analogy that I always use that I think makes the most sense for someone is if you think about your muscle as a hot dog, your fascia is the bun that encapsulates it. So when your fascia gets really tight, you get tightness kind of in feeling in the muscle, feeling in how you run, how you do anything you need to do in football. So we use Graston to break down the fascia a little bit so that it's a little bit less tight, takes a little bit less pressure off that hot dog. And when I explain that to guys, they're like, wait, that actually makes sense. I actually understand what fascia is now. It makes sense to me for sure. <laughs> yeah. did, you, did you learn that or is that something you came up with on your own? I actually learned that from Alexa Bannerman, who is my clinical preceptor at Northwestern University. So all the credit is to her, but you know, there's a number of things like that, that 
I really think that, you know, educating them and teaching them how to take care of their bodies is a lot more beneficial than just saying, hey, do this or hey, do that. Because when an athlete buys into their treatment, they're actually more likely to keep doing it. Yeah, it's all important stuff. And I think another key piece too is like, you know, understanding like the sports science and the data analytics with keeping your players healthy. Uh, even as basic, something as basic as sleep, you know, how do you kind of like me- emphasize that message as well? Yeah, so it's interesting that you bring up the sports science side of it because we actually do have a sports science staff that runs a lot of that data and kind of helps the athletes to have a better understanding of how that data meet, like what it means, you know, how to break that down and how to get them performing better. But I think it comes from, it all comes back to their playing because that's what they want. That's what really means most to them and their performance. So, you know, I could say, hey, Eric, get seven to eight hours of sleep tonight. You'll feel better tomorrow. And you'll say, okay, yeah, what does that mean? But if I say, hey, Eric, uh, you're not gonna play as well on Sunday if you're not properly sleeping because it's gonna affect your practice tomorrow and your practice influences how you play in the game and you know show you the different sides of it I think that is a lot more beneficial and a lot more meaningful to the athletes I think I've kind of gained that aspect from watching a, a video that you sent me as well um there's yeah. interviewed the Los Angeles Ram staff and kind of explained you know how their athletic training staff run things you know their everyday lifestyle uh, but I didn't see any uh, uh any woman get interviewed in that in that video so I guess just what does this landing this opportunity mean for you, like other women who are interested in trying to get a similar opportunity working in the sports industry? Oh my gosh, it means the world to me. I think that was the most influential thing for me was not only being a student, but being a female student. Going back to that first day, I remember standing in a room of probably 200 plus men and being one of like 10 women and realizing, okay, wow, like this is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. I think it's always been a dream of mine to work in the NFL, to work in a professional setting, but I didn't really think it was as attainable as it has been so far, just because of, you know, the fact that I am a woman and something that a league that is still somewhat of a boys club, I'll put it that way, you know, but I think what is interesting about it is I kind of looked at it as a weakness at first. I thought of it as something that would put me down or make me less of a good athletic trainer. But I think the exact opposite now. I've seen how being a woman, I can kind of, I guess I provide a different energy that some of the guys kind of are drawn to. My preceptor and I've talked about a lot because obviously she's a woman and, you know, she explained to me the difference and I didn't really get it until then that they're spend so much time being yelled at and being criticized and being coached for, you know, lack of a better term of what they're doing wrong and what they're doing, you know, need to work on, but they come into the athletic training room to get better. And I think so much of that is kind of putting their body into a more relaxed state. So talking to them and kind of getting them to feel more relaxed, kind of tapping into their parasympathetic nervous system, if that makes sense to you, um, is super important. So I think that's something that I can provide and something that I really feel grateful to have the opportunity to do. Well, it seems like they like having you around and it seems like you love being in the NFL, but is this a long-term goal for you or is there anywhere else you could see yourself ending up different sport, different league? What are your thoughts on that? I could definitely see myself staying in the NFL, but I could also see myself working in a upper uh, collegiate setting, like a D1 football school. I definitely love the atmosphere of football, the different, I guess, challenges it provides. It's definitely 
a whole other beast in athletic training than any other sport. But I will say that I'm fortunate enough to have the opportunity next summer to, or this upcoming summer, I should say, I keep saying next summer, but it's only a couple months away. <laughs> um, I'll be interning with the New York Giants for training camp. So that's super exciting because I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't kind of, um, you know, wanted to obviously stay in the NFL, get more experience, but actually Phil Bazzario, another Quinnipiac alum, who's one of their athletic trainers had reached out to my clinical preceptor about wanting to have me on their staff for the summer. So super excited for that. But yeah, I definitely could see myself working hockey also, you know, having experience working with Quinnipiac women's ice hockey. In my last clinic rotation, I definitely love the sport, definitely love the environment. Anything kind of really fast paced collision uh, is what I'm drawn to the most. <laughs> Jeez, that's that's kind of surprising me. I feel like you wouldn't want to have uh, more work to deal with. You, you like that kind of high pace? <laughs> Yeah, I do. I do. I think the crazier, the better. It definitely creates another challenge. So I'll put it that way. Okay. All right. Well, I hope that the Panthers are okay with you leaving and going to the Giants. It seems like kind of a a rebel move per se, but it, I mean, hey, you know, it, it is what it is. Go to your favorite team. I'm coming home in New York, whatever you want to <laughs> phrase that as next LeBron James in the future in AT uh, for sports here, Kate Duffy. But anyway, let's get to kind of the, uh, the more fun part here of this, of this interview here. So Panthers have the last game coming up this this weekend. It's your last uh, week that you're working with the Panthers, and then you're you're done, correct? Correct. Yep. Got it. Um, so they're playing the Bucks this weekend. Very big matchup. Obviously, the Bucks want to win because they're going to try to vie for a top seed. Fortunately, the Panthers are out of playoff uh, competition. But uh, what are your thoughts this weekend? Any any predictions? Who you got winning uh, Panthers Bucks? <laughs> you know, I don't think I'm allowed to bet on that, but I'll say, um, you know, I hope that we end on a high note, but um, okay. we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't telling you to put in the Eric Kerr sports book right now, but, <laughs> but okay, we'll, we'll, we'll put it as a side note for the Panthers. Um, I think the funniest thing of this whole thing is um, how many people have been like, Kate is so-and-so playing this weekend. Kate is so-and-so playing this weekend. And I'm like, I can't tell you that. That's their <laughs> medical information. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You have to confirm to the, the, the coach or the other source first. I know this is a reporter, so that's why I never reached out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, and some, do you have any playoff predictions? I, you might have been keeping, keeping up with the NFL a little bit outside of the Panthers, but do you have any Super Bowl predictions? Who are your two teams and who's your winner? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to go Bucks Cardinals just because I like the two colors. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> just because those were our, probably our two biggest matchups this year. Um, obviously, Cardinals had a happier outcome than uh, the Bucks did, but so I'll put my money on the Cardinals. <laughs> okay. All right. Kate Duffy says Cardinals are going to be the Super Bowl champions. Uh, let me see. I think the Chiefs are going to vie for this year. The, okay. They're looking for revenge against the Buccaneers. Bucks aren't looking as good this year. The Chiefs have been playing some really hot football, uh, trying to look for their revenge year. I think Pat Mahomes is going to bring the Chiefs out. But of course, we'll see what happens. It's still so many days and weeks away. Am I right? Yeah. So many possible COVID cases, so many possible, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what could happen with the rest of the NFL with COVID and with yeah. every sport, really. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for again for talking with me, Kate. Really appreciate thank it. You. Um, appreciate the time. <laughs> is there anything you like to plug other than your Instagram? That's that's all I have in my notes. Uh oh. the socials. I would say um to anyone listening, if there's any dream that you have, go for it. Take the opportunity because 
I promise you it'll be worth it in the end. I never thought this would possibly ever happen. This was probably one of my biggest, wildest dreams, but hard work truly does pay off. Stay in school, keep working hard and keep pounding. (laughs) There you go. Keep pounding away. Kate is a positive person. So make sure to check her out on Instagram at Kate Duffy with three Y's. I made sure to count that before I put it in. Be sure to follow us on Twitter as well at Mac and Maine and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mac and Maine Show. Check out all other interviews and special videos that we may put together. And you can check out all the interviews that we've done and shows on our Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else you may listen to your podcast on. For Kate Duffy, I'm Eric Kerr, and thanks for listening.